Okay, so my name is Lori, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you came here today. Um, this is the last day of our relationship series. Um, if you, if this is your first time, you can go online and listen to all the ones before, because it's been a really good series. Um, relationships are very important to Westlight. It's how we define, um, how we live out our vision, and how we define experiencing, uh, define experiencing heaven together. And as you can tell from the bumper, we've been going through, um, looking at how, you know, God the Father and God the Spirit and, and Jesus, how they help us, how they relate to one another. They model for us how we need to and how, you know, how we can relate to one another. And so today we're talking about trust. And trust is um, very important. The Webster Dictionary defines it as this. Um, it's the reliance on the character, ability, strength or truth of someone or something and so relationships require trust and trust is something that's not freely given but it's something that needs to be earned and I have a story to tell you this to tell you to as an example so when I was 16 I took driver's ed and I took driver's training and I was ready to get my license and so I told my parents I'm ready to get my license and they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm ready to get my license. And I, I don't remember this. I blocked out of mind. But I must have bugged them a lot. Because when they went on vacation, my older sister was like, come on, let's go to the DMV. I'm going to take you. I don't think I was that, you know, uh, charming and wooed her into taking me. I think uh, she was just tired of hearing me whine and complain and, you know, bug my parents. So she took me to the DMV. And I barely passed. <laughs> but I did. And when my parents came home from vacation, I surprised them with my license. And, you know, they were like, oh, oh no, you know. And so, um, you know, but we, I drew, when I took my license test, when I got to my driver's test, I took my dad's station wagon. That was automatic. But, you know, next week I want to go out with my friends. But my dad needs the car for work. So I was like, Mom, let me take your Mazda RX-2 that's manual, that's kind of sporty and fun to drive. And she's like, no, no, no. And I was like, come on, Mom. My, you know, my friend Donna and I, we want to see a movie. Let's go. Come on, let me. Trust me, Mom. Trust me. I got my license. Trust me. And she's like, no, you know. And time is going by, and the Dodger game's on. And she's like kind of getting comfy in her couch. And I was like, come on, Mom. We want to see the movie. And she's like, all right, just go, but be careful. I was like, of course, trust me. I am going to be careful. I got my license. I'm 16. So I get in the car, you know, I rush out, you know, Donna lives like a few blocks away, so I'm driving, speeding around the corners, you know, it's kind of sporty, it was sporty back then, and I get into her driveway, and, and I go, and I run on, and I knock on the door, I'm like, come on, let's go, and so we get in the car, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna go, we're free, let's do this, you know, and so I'm backing out, and I press on the clutch, and I press on the gas, and I let the clutch out too early, and then the gas was gone, and I back up, and I hit the car part in front of Donna's house. So, you know, trust is not something that's freely given. It needs to be earned, okay? And so we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus, how they trusted one another. And there's so, when you start reading the Bible and you think about through the lens of trust, there's so many examples, but I just picked three out for you today. We're not going to go through the whole Bible. So the first one we're going to look at is the transfiguration. And Jesus, he took Peter and James and John, and they go up to the mountain, 
And they're like, you know, he j- they just want to be by themselves. And at that moment, right, Jesus, he kind of shows his glory. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes, you know, they were so bright, they shone like as white as light. And then Moses and Elijah come, and, and they see Jesus talking to them. And then a bright cloud overshadows them. And a voice from the cloud comes, and it says, this is my dear son, and I'm delighted with him. Pay attention to him. You see, if God didn't trust Jesus with this movement, God didn't trust Jesus to come down and start this movement and bring his new kingdom in, he wouldn't have said, pay attention to him. He he trusted him to carry on his movement. And then, you know, Jesus goes on with his ministry, and and he gets towards the end of his ministry. He knows that he's going to see his father soon. He knows he's going to go back and and be with his father. And so he gets the disciples together, and he's, like, trying to get them ready. He's preparing them because, you know, he's going to go. And he's like, okay, you know, you guys, um, I'm going to go to be with my father soon. And they're like, huh? And they're like, no, I'm going to be with my father soon, but don't worry because, um, you're going to be a little persecuted. No, you're going to be a lot persecuted. <laughs> you know how people are after me and they want to kill me? Well, when I go to be with my father, you guys are like my followers. They're going to want to get you. But don't worry. He says this. If you love me. I love that he says, if you love me. Because love is the foundation of everything, of why we have our faith, right? He doesn't say, if you want to be good, if you want to um, overpower the Roman Empire, If you want justice in your life, no. He says, if you love me, it's all about the love. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And this other helper is the spirit of truth. And the world can't receive him because it doesn't see him or doesn't know him. But you know him because he lives with you. And will be in you. You see, the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. That comes later after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. But Jesus trusts that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to just empower them. And he tells them later in John, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is, you are going to, you think we did great things. You guys are going to do even greater things when the Holy Spirit comes. And he trusts that the Holy Spirit is going to, like, raise him from the dead, and he trusts that he's going to take over this new way of doing things, and it's, you know, and he just believes in all the things that are going to happen. He trusts in the Holy Spirit. And then, finally, the, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus just, you see how he trusts his Father. The night before Jesus was arrested, he's upset, and he's distressed, And the Bible tells us that his soul is overwhelmed with grief. And he feels like he's going to die. Have you ever felt like that? Like, the grief is so much, you feel like you just can't go on. Like, there's no way that you're going to make it through the next moment because the grief is just so overwhelming. And that's what Jesus was experiencing. And so he asked Peter, James, and John to go with him and, and to pray. And, and so they go up to, to the Gethsemane, and they're praying. And, and, and he, he's like, you guys stay here. I'm going to go over here. And just as he's alone, he falls down on his face, and he starts praying because he's in so much pain and in so much agony. And he asks his father, 
If it's possible, please, please, let this cup go away from me. But not what I want, but what you want. It's like, I don't, this is so hard, but I'm going to trust in you. And I don't know how God could say no. I don't know how if he said no, I'm sorry. I mean, how could you say no? Your son is in pain and in agony. He's overwhelmed. But somehow we know that God said no because Jesus asks a second time. And he says, my father, if it's possible for this cup, for this to pass unless I drink it, let your will be done. And I don't know how God did it, but he said no. Because we know he said no because Jesus asks a third time using the same words. And I love what Luke's, Luke, the way he describes it. He says, you know, that, that, that when Jesus was praying, God sent an angel to come down to be with him, to strengthen him. And he was praying so hard that it was like drops of blood, like blood clots were falling from his head and down to the ground. It says, an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And by now he was in agony, and he prayed very fervently, and his sweat became like clots of blood falling on the ground. And, and I think this is so important for us to understand that, you know, we get that, that trust is earned, you know, when someone's faithful, when someone's responsible and they do what they say they're going to do. We get that, that trust is, you know, that someone's trustworthy when they have integrity. But this, you know, that's kind of obvious. We get that. But I, what I want us to get here, this is the key of how we can earn people's trust. It's what's not so obvious. And how God earns Jesus' trust. Because in the moment of his agony, when he's like, oh, do I have to do this? God sends an angel to be with him. An angel who is probably reminding him, man, your father, he's watching you. Your father loves you. And he's comforting him, and he's strengthening him, and he's encouraging him to get through the next, you know, next day or whatever, you know, the future, that, the, the mocking the torture, and the suffering. He doesn't devalue what Jesus says. He doesn't come down. You know, God doesn't send uh, an angel to lecture him. He doesn't say, you know what, Jesus, it's just 24 hours. Come on, you can do this. It's 24 hours, right? He doesn't say, Jesus, you're strong. Come on, just do it. Suck it up and do it. He doesn't say, you are the son of God. N.T. Wright calls what happened to Jesus in the Garden of, in the Gethsemane as a, he was in melting, was it meltdown mode? So, you know, he's not like, hey, you can't melt down now. You've lived this whole life here. You're, you know, you're 33 years old. Be a man. Let's do this. You know the plan. You knew the plan from the very beginning. Let's do this. Get up and do it. No. God sends the angel to come and be with him, and who is for him. And that's how we earn trust. We listen, and we understand, and we empathize with one another. God sent an, an, an angel to be his agent of love and grace. He demonstrated care. He valued Jesus so much and, and let him know that he mattered to God. He was for Jesus. He was with Jesus no matter what, even when he was in meltdown mode. Jesus 
you know, God was on Jesus' side. And so, you know, relationships, they require trust, and that trust needs to be earned. And that trust looks like us being with one another, being for one another no matter what. It involves, and how that happens is, is when, you know, listening and understanding and empathizing. You know, trust, it can't exist where there's failure to empathize, where there's failure to listen and understand. We've seen that. We've seen companies, you know, if you're at a, 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 your workplace and if employees don't feel listened to or understood or valued, what do they do? They go find another job, right? People come to church and if they don't feel listened to or understood or empathized with, what do they do? They go find another church. Right? Kids. You know, if the kids don't feel like their parents listen to them or understand them or empathize with them, if they just get lectures, what do they do? They go find friends or people who will listen to them, who will understand them. And hopefully it's friends that you approve of. But like me, it was friends that they didn't approve of. But, you know, we just go to wherever people, wherever we feel understood. And husbands and wives, you know, if we don't listen to one another and try to understand and empathize with one another, a lot of times people, you know, we all, we all do this. We'll disconnect because we're like, well, we're not valued here. And we disconnect. And that's how a lot of times we go our, you know, where we feel like we're understood, where we, feel, where we feel like we're seen and valued. And that's a lot of times how affairs start. And so where there's no trust, where there's no listening and understanding and empathizing, there can be no relationship. So we need to, um, we need to be people of love and grace if we want to create this, cult, you know, cultivate this, this trust between one another. I love what Henry Cloud said. If you guys know, I quote him every sermon. <laughs> but he's a Christian counselor. And he says that people do not trust us when we understand them. People do not trust us when we understand them. They trust us when they understand that we understand them. Right? When they understand that we understand them, then that's when trust can begin to, to is earned. An example of this is um, the boys that were trapped in the cave in Thailand, okay? Um, I don't know what it was like for them. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like. You're starting, you know, you had practice, you're having fun, you're with your friends, you're exploring the cave. I mean, what better day is that? They were going to go to a birthday party afterwards, you know? I mean, it was just going to be the best day ever. And then they get, they go further, the water starts coming in, and they get trapped in this cave, and it's dark. And they're together, but it's cold. And it starts getting late, and they get hungry. And then they start to wonder, oh, man, are we ever going to get out of here? And I can't imagine how scared they were. And then how relieved they were when the rescuers found them. And I love, you know, they're like, hey, are we going to get out today? And then the rescuers are like, no. <laughs> it's going to take a while. But I love what they did. They're stuck in the cave. They're trapped. They're scared. They're hungry. They're tired. And they're, you know, afraid. They're terrified. And what do they do? They send in a medic to stay with them. They send in expert divers to stay with them. Those guys stayed with them, checked on them. They, like, cared for them. They gave them blankets and foods, and they were there to make sure that they were okay. 
They didn't say, wow, this is dangerous and it's kind of scary. Um, you guys stay here. We're going to go back and we'll pray for you because God has a plan. No, <laughs> they didn't do that, right? They stayed with them. They went in the cave and stayed with them. And during the rescue, you guys saw, right, they had oxygen tanks, like, planted everywhere. They had rope. They had people lined up during the rescue. So when the boys had to leave, they had people all along the way checking on them. And I just, you know, they had a team that was with them, that was for them, that was, getting, you know, letting them, helping them with the rescue so that they could go back to their family and be have life. And we know that one of the Navy SEAL um, ex-Navy SEAL drivers, right, that he lost his life. He gave his life so that they could have life. What greater demonstration of love is that? And so earning trust, I bring that up, is because it's, it's a lot like those rescue people who went into the cave. We need to be people who, who are not standing up far away and being like, you know, we'll, you know, we'll pray for you or get up or suck it up and just do it. You're going through a hard time. That's, uh, you know, I feel you. But, you know, we need to be, be people who will get in the cave with one another, who will have the courage to do the hard thing and to sit with them and to be with one another and to be for one another. That's what earning trust looks like. We don't stand outside. We don't judge. We don't condemn one of the drivers I mean one of the the coach was really worried when they started sending out letters you know like the parents would write letters to the kids and the kids would write letters back and and there's a story of him just kind of dreading it because he thought that that the parents would be you know just reprimand him like why did you let this happen and this is all your fault but the letters that he received were letters of appreciation and they were, like, loving on him. And thank you so much for being with our boys. It's so, we appreciate you so much. And that's what earning trust looks like. When we can listen and understand and empathize. When we could be with one another and be for one another no matter what. So when your 16-year-old daughter comes home, has she gotten a little embarrassing fender bender? <laughs> you won't have to hear, you know, she won't have to hear, well, I told you you weren't ready. Or, you know, cars kill people. You could have killed yourself and your friend. Or, do you know how disappointed I am in you that you took my fast car that I love and you hit a parked car? Getting into the cave means you sit with them and you listen and you seek to understand and you empathize. And it's more like, you know, um, you hear the story of, of the 16-year-old daughter saying, you know, I really wanted to take Donna out because Donna, she was born in January and she's been driving us around for 10 months, 11 months. And Donna's feeling kind of used. And she feels like we're only friends with her because she can drive us around. And I really wanted to take the car out so I could take Donna to a movie because it was just going to be me and Donna. And I wanted to show her appreciation that we don't just want to be with her because she can drive us around. And it would have been so cool, like, if our, my parents said, oh, man, I get that. Man, I validate those feelings. That You were... You know, that's a, you were a good friend, and you know what? I'm, I'm with you, I hear you, and I'm for you. And you know what? For the next few weeks, I'm going to take you driving so we both can trust one another. <laughs> and you are going to be a good driver even though you're an Asian woman. 
And we're going to trust, and you can drive your friends around because we are with you and we are for you. And so relationships require trust. And we earn trust by getting in the cave and being with others and being for others no matter what. And it starts with us, right? So many of us have experienced so much where it's really hard to trust. And so I really invite you this week to just, you know, as we move forward, to just, you know, set time this week to just maybe have coffee by yourself. And just think about, you know, when you think about trust, what feelings come to mind? You know, maybe, maybe the spirit will bring a, a memory to you or, or you'll be, have a feeling of like, oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Or maybe it's like, oh, no, I'm glad I have people to trust. Or maybe it's like, oh, I need to trust my husband more. Or, oh, I need to trust my parents more. Or, oh, I need to trust my teenager more. But whatever comes up, you know, whatever feelings comes up, don't judge it. Don't say, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel like that. Or, oh, I should trust my husband. Or, oh, you know, just just feel it. Accept it. Sit with it. And then ask the spirit or, or ask yourself, like, what are these feelings telling me? And let the spirit just lead you. And know that he's with you and that he's for you. And he's inviting you to trust in him. He wants to earn your trust because he loves you so much. We're going to enter into a time of worship, and so I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And, and we're just going to spend this time. This time is for you. And if you feel like, um, man, I have a hard time trusting. And we're going to sing about God's reckless love, and it doesn't feel like reckless love to me. Then I invite you just to sit. And just struggle with God, you know, and just bring that to mind. And just, you know, just say, Lord, I don't feel it. I know, you know, Lori talks about how the Jesus came down and the Holy Spirit's here. And how, you know, you came to be with us and you're for us and I don't feel it. Then just, you know, you can sit and just sit with the Lord with that. Or maybe you came back from camp and you're like, yeah, Jesus is awesome. He does love us. He pursues us. He goes in the cave. He gave his life for us. And you just want to proclaim Jesus' reckless love. Then feel free to stand up and just sing your heart out. But this time is for you. And then after we sing, um, we'll enter into um, a time of communion. But let's, let's go into worship now.